Good morning. Would you please stand and sing with us? Sinners, 
please pray with us. Dear God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for giving us this chance that we could come together here and worship you. Lord, we pray today that you would open our hearts and our minds so that we could focus on your message and receive your word. In Jesus' name, amen. i
turn and greet each other. Good morning. <laughs> no, that's not pay attention. I'm glad you're here. I am glad to see your face. Glad you're here. Cool. Uh, good morning. I want to welcome you to Memorial United Methodist. My name is Joe Kate. I'm the pastor here. We're so grateful that you're here, that you came on a day that hurricane remnants are coming through our campus. I thought we came to the upstate. I thought we didn't deal with anything to do with the hurricanes. I've been in Mount Pleasant. I've been in Charleston for years, more than a decade, college and service, and dealt with them there. Here we got them coming up here now, so I guess that's part of it. Um, if you'll turn to your, open your uh, bulletins, we like to frame our practices, uh, our announcements in our five practices of fruitful congregations. Uh, they're listed in icons on our screen. You'll find them in everything we do. In our newsletter that came out last week, if you were not here last week, we have newsletters in the back. Um, the first of which is radical hospitality. And that uh, category dominates our announcements today, I guess in a good way. We have visitor cards and prayer cards in this service and in our 11 o'clock service service every Sunday. If you want to raise your hand, they'll bring you a card for um, either one, and um, you can fill that out, and if it's a prayer card, it will go to our Tuesday prayer group, and they'll pray for it uh, uh, Tuesday morning. They pray for everything to do with our community, this church, and the greater world. You can also at any point um, with pastoral care, you see a number in the bulletin. It's on the front page and uh, also in another place. Uh, you can call that number 24-7 and leave a message. I'll immediately get an email and uh, or else the minister on call will get it. You can indicate if it's simply a prayer concern or if it's a concern right now. We need you here right now. Um, you let us know and uh, we'll be there as quickly as we possibly can. Uh, we're going to have flu shots on Wednesday, October 11th. That's this Wednesday from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. You just need to bring your insurance card. It will be in the social hall. It's provided by McCleskey Todd. Uh, so uh, if you, anything else I need to say about the flu shot? Okay. So if you would like to come by and get that, um, please do. Basketball registration is on our website. Um, there's a time limit to register. I think it's in the next three weeks. Could be four weeks. It's coming up very soon. And the link is on our website. You can find that. You can talk to Tommy Stanton. Uh, ask us if you need help reaching him, and we will make sure that you um, hear from him. Fall Festival is coming up, and I'm going to call on Erin Knight. She's our children's director, also um, Family Ministries, and she's going to tell us all about the Fall Festival. Good morning. I'm Erin Knight, Director of Children and Family Ministries, and we are really excited once again to offer the Fall Festival. It's always on the Sunday before Halloween, so that's October 29th. It starts at 5 o'clock, and um, we'll have two inflatables this year in the gym as well as lots of games. Um, the kids will love it. It will be fun, and a lot of people from the community come to this event as well, so it's a great way to outreach. Um, we're going to do something a little different this year. Instead of having food served by us, um, we're going to have the Cluck, Squeal, and Friends food truck outside. Um, and that will be uh, 
chicken fried chicken sandwich, pork chop sandwich, cheeseburger, hot dog, home fries will be the menu you can choose from. They do accept credit cards. So let's just be a little something different, a way for you to um, try some new food if you haven't tried Cluck, Squeal, and Friends before. Um, we're also looking for help to put this great event on. Um, we need prizes donated that are peanut free, whether that's a toy or a candy that doesn't contain uh, peanuts. And um, we're also, of course, as always, looking for volunteers to man games, help with setup, help with cleanup, all the various things that go into making the fall festival a possibility. Uh, so that will be sent out by email, that sign up link um, in our Tuesday, Thursday emails, as well as the children's email that goes out Wednesday. Um, if you don't get any of those and would like to help, just come see me and I'll be glad to put you down. Um, we will have trunk or treat in the parking lot at 6.15 that night, and so come out with your best decorated trunk to have opportunity to win prizes and more importantly, uh, make children smile. Uh, just let me know uh, if you'd like to get involved. Thank you. And, um, we do also strive, of course, here to practice intentional faith development. To that end, any child that is K-5 through second grade that would like to join me for chapel today can go right now and meet me at these back doors, and I will walk them to Sunday school after chapel. Thank you. If you'll hit escape so that we can see that website, I want to show you a website. Um, this is the podcast and blog that I do every week. If you'll scroll up. Addison, over on the side. People write me every week. And they'll say, hey, I'm going to miss worship. I miss seeing y'all this weekend. I'm going to Tennessee or going to a wedding or whatever I'm going to do. And I'm going to miss coming there. Now, we offer on our website a full recording of both of our worship services just about every Sunday. But we also offer the audio of the sermon and this podcast. And Addison, if you click on blog up in the middle. There's a written um, blog every week that goes directly with the podcast, and you can use that as a lesson in any of your small groups or Sunday school classes as well. It's very simple to get to. You just go to sundayscripturepodcast.com, and uh, you can listen right there on your computer. It's also on iTunes. Uh, so that I want to give you that because I know you have busy lives. I know you can't be here every Sunday. And even if you are coming on Sunday, it gives you a setup uh, for what to expect. Um, you can see our other practices uh, in the bulletin and announcements. We don't have verbal announcements for those, but please do look. And uh, appreciate you listening during the announcements. Let's pray together. Gracious God, this morning we pray for all of the people who are in the path of the hurricane. They've all got hurricane fatigue. They've all been impacted in varying forms. We ask you, Lord, to continue to help us to be generous with them, to keep them in our prayers, and to continually reach out in mission and service. But as we gather in this space, Lord, we ask that you help us to focus. We've made the effort to come. We've got this window of time We've got your text and your songs and your prayers. Help us, Lord, to hear your proclamation for us today through all of these elements that we may honor and glorify you through our worship. Lead us, Lord, as we pray the prayer your Son taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, 
hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. <clears throat> if you've been listening for the last several weeks to the scripture passages that we've used in worship, you could easily get the impression that I'm angry about something. Because every scripture passage has been a parable about something broken and people who were supposed to be doing something not doing it. And today is the harshest of all. Not angry. Not grumpy. We actually follow a path called the lectionary, which is a set of readings uh, that are used by churches all around the globe where you go um, uh, systematically through a gospel in a season of the Christian year. And the Christian year is actually about to wrap up. It starts over in Advent. And so we're in year A, so we're reading Matthew, and we just go through Matthew. And in the end of Matthew, it's heated. He's very, very angry. And different seminaries train ministers in different ways, and people have different beliefs about the way that the Bible was formed. But my particular seminary taught me that the writers are inspired by God, but they're also human. And they also have the things that are going on in their life that they see right now. Our seminary taught me that this isn't being written down the very second that it happens and then compiled into a document at the end of Jesus' life. Instead, it's written decades after his life, compiled by authors who have particular desires and understandings and slants just like we do. So the ultimate desire of Matthew, according to the people that taught me, is to connect the people of the Jewish faith to Jesus and say, this isn't a rebellion. This is an embodiment. Everything that you believed in, we're not making fun of it. The way he writes that book has uh, parallels to the way that the Old Testament is written. Designed, they believe, to draw those people in who understand those patterns so that their faith will be magnified by Jesus. But at the end, there's bitter, bitter anger. And some people suggest that that anger is framed by the place where the author of Matthew is in at that moment that he's writing. Somewhere around 85. So sometime after Jesus' death, the people who are trying to then live according to Jesus' life are running in direct opposition to the people that they've broken off from in that established synagogue. And so that bitter, bitter anger is framing the anger that was already there in Jesus' lifetime. Does that make sense? So some conflict that you've experienced in recent history or maybe 20 years ago, the emotions that you felt in that conflict can be recalled in a second because they were so heightened. They were so heated in your mind and in your soul and you shared it with so many people that when you start to write it down today, 
it might still be framed that way. So, with that in mind, let's talk about major problems that are happening in the time of Jesus as he's talking to them. The religious establishment feels like he has no sense of seniority. You ever get the sense that a clerk that's dealing with you or a coworker that's dealing with you or a child that is um, uh, responsible to you has no sense of your seniority and what you've put in to whatever this is. You don't understand how much work I've put into this. You don't understand the respect that I'm due for who I am. When you get that sense from someone, it's hard to shake it. And the religious leadership, the political leadership has that sense with Jesus right now. They think he has no respect. No respect for long-held traditions. He either ignores them, he's ignorant to them, or he betrays them outright. And if you had them choose which one of those is the most offensive to them as one who says that he's the Messiah, you say that you're the Messiah, you say that you're the one to lead us, but you ignore everything that we've ever treasured. Now that's not true, but he's ignored enough important things to them that they think it's everything. You say that you're the Messiah, yet you openly rebel against these traditions that we have. You may not be ignoring them. You may just be saying, I don't care. I don't care about washing my hands ritually. I don't care about the Sabbath the way that you care about the Sabbath. And so he either is ignorant or completely defiant and I don't even care which one it is because I'm tired of it, is what they're saying. You don't have an understanding even out in the country, even up in Galilee, with people who don't really matter doing a thing that doesn't really matter. But you're in big boy territory right now. You're in Jerusalem. You're in the one and only temple. And you're surrounded by religious authorities who have put their whole life into this and feel threatened by you being here. You have no understanding of that. And the Antonia Fortress, the Roman position above the temple that's sitting up uh, higher than that window, but it's Roman soldiers looking down on the temple saying you can have your little religion as long as you stay calm, as long as you give us our money, as long as you don't do anything stupid. And we'll be up in our little tower looking down at you while you do it. You have no understanding, Jesus of Nazareth. You're from nowhere. So with those three problems, we can't tolerate you. We can't have you in this space. We can't have you saying what you're saying, doing what you're doing, pulling these people in. That's the concern that the religious and political leadership have with Jesus in this moment. Now, this is the story he tells them to answer those concerns. Chapter 21 Verse 33. Listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard. He put a fence around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a tower. Then he rented it to tenant farmers and took a trip. When it was time for harvest, he sent his servants to the tenant farmers to collect his fruit. But the tenant farmers grabbed his servants. 
They beat some, some of them they killed, some of them they stoned to death. So let's talk about your first word. Seniority. Gospels love, in any um, oral storyteller, loves having A, B, and C. I've told you before, I'm not a joke teller. I just make observations that I think are funny, and sometimes y'all think are funny. My dad is a joke teller, and he remembers them stone cold. He's a tra traveling salesman. He could hit this point, he could hit that point, and you're waiting for it, and you're waiting for it, and he hits it, and you fall over laughing. The Gospels do the same thing. You notice how there's three things? You notice how it escalates? They beat some. They killed some. And then they killed some in the worst manner possible. So let's talk about seniority. Those tenant farmers have no concept of the work that went into the creation of that garden. No concept of the time spent. They have no respect for who built the vineyard. The provision that it took, the timing that it took, the resources that it took to make sure that it was laid out properly, that you had all the best materials, and that you had a fence and a tower to protect it and watch over it. They're hired servants that are handed authority. Now you small business owners. What's the longest you can be away from your business? What's the longest you can be away and expect the people that you've hired to maintain the exact same standard that you've got to have because of your small business? There's no window going left or right. In this gospel, in every gospel, the stories that Jesus tells, the person goes away for an extended amount of time. And it's to emphasize how much authority is given to the workers who are doing the job. The trouble is, the time and the distance that that owner is gone gives them the sense of what? You know, we're kind of running this. We're the ones doing the work. We're the ones showing up here. All he does is what? Collect the um, resources or collect the money. That's all he does. That distance and time puts a massive drop on the level of seniority that the one who created it has. The tenant farmers, people who were lucky to get a job, all of a sudden are assuming ownership. Verse 36. Again, he sent other servants, more than the first group. They treated them in the same way. Finally, he sent his son to them. They'll respect my son, he said. But when the tenant farmers saw the son, they said to each other, this is the heir. Come on, let's kill him. Then we can have his inheritance. They grabbed him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. So let's talk about your next word. Respect. Is the son always respected from the, uh, the second one from the owner of the business? Sometimes. You know, I see all the time uh, Jerry Jones is the owner of the Cowboys. Uh, Robert Kraft is the owner of the Patriots. And they show their sons in the press box. 
and people openly wonder if the son's going to be able to pull off what the dad did in order to get there. I think it works out. I've seen it work out. But I think a lot of people have not seen it work out too. In every generation. But in this story, they think if we kill him, we get to have the vineyard. That's ludicrous. If a man is uh, powerful enough to be able to create, create this, if he's powerful enough to have that many servants, if he's wealthy enough to be able to do this, I'm guessing he can hire someone to come down and truly fix it if he wants to. But it's their mindset that if they kill the son, they get to have it. So this is what we call a... Um, you think you've seen a lack of respect? This is the embodiment. This is the definition of a lack of respect. They beat, they killed, they stoned. They did the same to the second group. And if we can take his life, we can have this gift. You know what these workers have probably never had? No boss. They probably never had crazy money. They probably never had their own business. And you know what they see here? A window. That if we just do something terrible enough that we can brush over, we can move on from, hopefully, we get to have a serious business. We get to have no boss. We get to have serious money. And those desires to get those things cause them to have a complete lack of respect for what happened. Verse 40. When the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenant farmers? This is Jesus now speaking to the religious authorities who are in his face at the temple after hearing that story. They said he'll totally destroy those wicked farmers and rent the vineyard to other tenant farmers who will give him the fruit when it's ready. What are you, stupid? Jesus said to them, haven't you ever read in the scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this. It's amazing in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you that God's kingdom will be taken away from you and will be given to a people who produce its fruit. So those workers, the last word, have no understanding. No understanding of the work that went into its creation. No understanding of the hope that's for this venture from its creator. No understanding of the love that that creator has for his son. So the very things that the religious leaders say about Jesus, that he has no respect, no understanding, he's saying, uh, actually, you don't get it. You think that you have seniority in this place, at the temple as the garden, and there's no mistake in taking that garden image back to creation and Adam and Eve in the garden. There's no mistaking him saying to them, you are temporary workers in a garden. And you've been here long enough. You've worked, the sun has come up and gone down enough times. You've got enough. Um, you don't really see me. It, some, some of y'all get weirded out when you see me in a robe over there. Because you don't go over there very often. 
But traditional worship has all of the um, classic aspects of worship that would go back to this time of having um, garb that differentiates you. Of a robe that differentiates you. The stole that I wear that differentiates you. You can have uh, doctoral stripes that uh, differentiate you. Know, all sorts of things. You go, actually, you go to graduation. You'll see some fun dif- differentiations. I like the ones with the, like the literature guys <laughs> with, the, with the mushy hat. Um, they got all the garb. They got all the chevrons. They got all the experience. So you know what they figure? We're the ones that do the work in this garden. We're the ones that should dictate what happens with the fruit. And if you say you're the son, we don't care. This is ours. Ours. So what must be washing over them as they first hear that story and say, what are you stupid? I can tell you what to do with those people. And then they go, is he talking about us? He's talking about us. We should do something about this. We should punish him. He's saying we're temporary workers. He's saying we're murderers. And that's when I want to go uh, to another word. Worth. You ever wonder what you're worth? You ever wonder what your life is worth? What your talents are worth? What your spirit is worth? You may not think that you do very often, but I guarantee that you do. You ever get grumpy waiting in a line? You're establishing your worth. (laughs) You ever wonder how much you're compensated and what you bring to the program? You ever wonder what you're asked to do in the life of the church or in your family or at a family reunion? All the time you're assessing your worth. But the number one time, in my opinion, that you wonder about your worth is when you feel like you've been slighted. By a direct enemy, by someone close to you, by a coworker, by whomever. And you know what three things you bring up? A lot of times, or at least one of these three? Seniority. Respect, understanding. Do you have any concept of who I am and what I'm worth? You're never going to say that. But that's the question that you're asking. And when you call a dear friend or you text a friend in total anger over a situation that you've experienced, the real issue is pain. The real issue that you have is pain that this person who has upset you on such a level does not have a sense of your worth. And in that anger, you write your friend and you say, how could this person not understand who I am and what I'm trying to do? And what does your friend usually say? You're right, I can see your point. That's why we reach out to our friends, right? We hope that they will affirm our worth. So let me give you the last word. Fruit. Because as we spend a great deal of time determining how much we're worth 
and how much someone else is worth and we debate it over and over and over again and we fight about it? How much fruit is there? When we obsess about someone understanding us or respecting us, how much fruit is there? When Jesus is arguing with these religious leaders, when they're arguing with one another, when there's the meeting in the temple, and then there's the meeting after the meeting in the temple out in the courtyard, and then there's the meeting after the meeting in the courtyard out on the steps, and the group changes, and we're all talking about the meeting in which there was a hostile reaction, it's all about anger, which is all about pain, which is all about worth. So let me tell you something about your worth. The Creator, God, saw fit to make a place in which we live, in which we have the opportunity to produce fruit. You ever just so grateful for a person who set up just a simple little thing for you? Just helped you get something organized and ready or prepared something beyond your expectations for a birthday or got a tailgate ready or got a meeting ready. That person created something for you to walk into in which you would succeed. That, that says a ton about your worth. God, the creator who created all that, then said, I'm going to place it in your hands. There's plenty of times in the life of the church and when somebody hands me something and I think, all right, who's the next person I'm going to hand this to? Because I don't want to hold this. Whatever it is. This amazing creation has been placed in our hands. That says something about your worth. He sent his son. Even though prophets were ignored and sometimes killed, even though kings were ignored and sometimes killed, he said, I know they'll respect my son. God sent God's son to us to help us understand. That says something about your worth. You know what that son understood? That when he came to earth and when he said what had to be said and when he went to Jerusalem and confronted these guys with these very words, he knew that it would likely lead to his very death. You know, like you've said, and I'm sure you mean, I would die for this person. If I had the opportunity to push them out of the way, if I had the opportunity to take on their sickness, if I had the opportunity to do whatever, I would do it for them. And you're right. Son came knowing what would happen when he said what had to be said so that you might hear it. So when we're obsessing about our worth, given our seniority, given the fact that people should give us respect, given the fact that they should understand what's going on, I want you to flip a switch. And I want you to think... How much of those three things am I giving my God? Can I increase the things that I am giving God in terms of seniority, in terms of respect, in terms of understanding? If I can increase the way I feel about that, about God, as much as I want it from other people, I'll be off to a good start. You are a person of sacred worth that's it. 
directly explained in this text, even though it's full of hostility and pain and death. The Son came that you may understand. And may we all think of the ways that we can show those things to our God rather than desperately seeking them for ourselves. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you'll stand as you're able and join me in our modern affirmation. And speaking of worth, this trinity, and what they mean, and what they mean to you. We believe in God the Father, infinite in wisdom, power, and love, whose mercy is over all His works, and whose will is directed to His children's good. <clears throat> we believe in Jesus Christ, Son of God and Son of Man, the gift of the Father's unfailing grace, the ground of our hope, and the promise of God fulfilled. We believe in the Holy Spirit as the divine presence in our lives, reminding us always of the truth of Christ, our inspiration and strength in times of joy and sorrow. We believe our faith should be apparent in our words of love and acts of service, that the kingdom of God may be a present reality here on earth. Is your faith apparent to the people that watch you every day? Is your faith apparent through your words of love and your acts of service? Could somebody look and go, yep. Yep, regardless of the circumstances, I see this person's words of love and acts of service. It's evident to me that they believe. You may be seated. It's now time for our offering. And you see our extravagant generosity on the back of your bulletin. You can give as the plate goes by. And you can also give online with the instructions in the bulletin.
stand and sing this last one with us.
Christ, the love of God, the power, and the presence of the Holy Spirit go with you all. Amen. week.